Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. And we are together again for another edition of Believe in Titans podcast. The we being, of course, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, welcome in. Thanks, David. How you doing? How you doing this evening? I am doing great. Good. And uh, John Glennon of all Titans at SI.com. John, how are you tonight? I am well. Hope you guys are too. Doing great. I, of course, am David Beauclair, also of all Titans at SI.com. And and this evening, as we are recording this, it is Tuesday evening. The uh, The roster has been reduced to the regular season limit of 53 players. That it, it's not likely that it's the same roster that we will see come September 11th against the New York Giants, but it is it is an interesting collection nonetheless. Uh, a couple of surprise inclusions, I think. Um, one player from each of the last three draft picks that includes the the current the 22 2022 draft class got cut. Uh, Malik Willis clearly did enough to uh, to satisfy coaches and what did they what they wanted to see from a number two quarterback uh, all that and and more we will get to in this but uh, but before we get going I, I want to start with you Denard you know you you went through this day a number of times in your career guys will gather for practice and meetings and everything tomorrow how different is the feel? How different will the mood be in the building for the for the Titans tomorrow when they get there? Well, you know, unfortunately, only 53 players can make the squad. And so what you hate to see is players getting released, especially veteran players that have been in the organization for uh, X amount of years. That's a hard thing to watch. But what happens is, is guys know that it is a part of the business. So what you do is when you get to the building tomorrow, you will look at the guy next to you and realize that the the player next to you, the 53 players are the players that's going to determine the fate of this season. And that's just uh, part of the game. I mean, hey, I've been released before, not at the beginning of the season, but at the end. 
It's tough, David. It, it's tough, John. It's something tough to look at, but unfortunately, uh, this is a game about numbers. And if you don't fit in that 53 man squad, then unfortunately you have to leave the premises. And when, when it comes to, uh, to veteran players being released from this team, uh, the big one, of course, is is Brett Kern is is out having uh, having been replaced as punter by uh, by Ryan Stonehouse and, and John. I'll ask you this: You know, Brett had a good preseason. He had a good training camp. Did did he get beat, or is this just simple NFL business right now? I think he got beat. Um, you know, as you say, I, I think Brett Kern was better. Uh, in, in a limited sample size this preseason than we saw from him last year, actually. Um, you know, and, and when you break down all the stats, he actually had a better net average than, than Ryan Stonehouse, the, uh, the rookie who, who beat him out for the job. But I just think, uh, in the end, he got beat on potential. Um, you know, and, and Brett Kern himself acknowledged that he had rarely seen anyone, uh, be able to kick the ball like Ryan Stonehouse did with, you know, that, that kind of leg. Um, and, and so Ryan Stonehouse not only showed the leg, but I think he also showed some improvement as preseason went on in terms of being able to pin opponents deep inside the 20 and, and cut back on the touchbacks a little bit. And when he added that to the repertoire of already being able to knock the heck out of the football, uh, you, you add in the fact, obviously he's a rookie compared to, Brett Kern's age, you know, you're only going to have so many more years of Brett Kern. Uh, you add in the fact that it's a salary, uh, you know, a step in the right direction for the Titans too. All those factors played into that that move, I think. But in the end, Ryan Stonehouse is a is a, a man with a gifted right leg, and I think he just got the better uh, of of a veteran, a very good veteran in, in Brett Kern. Yeah, you know, you you expand with to expand a little bit on on what we talked about with him last week. You know, none of this is new to him. It's it's not like he's coming out of nowhere, right? He's an, he's an NCAA record holder. Uh, even even the the control, the the precision that you're talking about, he set Colorado State's record for punts inside the twenty. Um, you know, the the big leg. It, that's what you know. I asked Brett Kern after the game. I said, when did you know? that this was going to be a different year in terms of the competition you were facing. And he said, I knew, I knew right away the first time I watched him kick. And, and, and as you pointed, John, he, he said, you know, I, I, I told him I've only seen a handful of guys who can, who can kick the ball the way he does. He had at least one 60 yard punt in each of the three preseason games. Again, you go back to his college career, more than 43% of his kicks we're 50 yards or more. I mean, this is, I, I mean, this is a guy who can just, just flat out bomb it. And, uh, and, and it, 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 it was interesting kind of following along Twitter over the last few days where, you know, people kind of saw it coming. And then when the Titans announced on Monday that they, that they were in fact going to be releasing Brett Kern there, you know, there, there was sort of a, there was sort of a sadness and a, a, a sort of nostalgia and, and hey, this guy's been so good for the franchise and whatnot. But there, but there's also a sense of excitement, I think, surrounding Ryan Stonehouse. And it, and it's not like it, it's not like he's going to have to win over fans. I, I think people are really excited about his potential and and what he can do in terms of flipping the field and hang time and, and all those sorts of things. And they're they're going to be you know they're going to be behind him from the get go and. Uh, uh, I, you know that that's probably 
that's probably a helpful thing, I would think, in compared to somebody who who maybe replaces a popular player that that people don't see the need for it as much. And uh, uh, you know, but uh, but certainly certainly we all wish Brett Kern well, and I don't think we've seen the uh, the last of Brett Kern in the NFL, have we, Denard Walker? No, I mean, no. that's a guy who's going to get picked up, right? <laughs> yeah, there's 31 other teams. Unfortunately, when you if you get released, there's 31 other teams that's looking for a quality punter like a Brett Kern. And I mean, we could see we could see him. Uh, the Titans could see him potentially in, in week two. Uh, uh, you know, Buffalo is a team in need of a punter. Brett's from upstate New York that, uh, you know, may, maybe he wants to, maybe he wants to go back home and, and finish his career at home. So that, uh, that, that feels like a real possibility, but I don't expect that he will be on the market long as a, uh, as a vested veteran, he's going to have his choice. He doesn't, doesn't have to be subjected to waivers and go just where anybody can claim him. Once his, once his phone starts ringing, he will be able to decide what is, uh, what is best for him. And I was just going to add in there real quick, David, also uh, in terms of that competition, you meant to mention that kind of sense of excitement. And and I think what sort of adds to that is, uh, you know, what we mentioned in terms of the competition, um, him, Ryan Stonehouse winning that job. You know, there were a couple other competitions we saw in camp, like for the number two quarterback spot, for instance, where Malik, uh, you know, sure, he, he played better. He won the job, but there was also a sense that Logan Woodside really struggled uh, in the in the preseason as well, maybe and and the right tackle competition as well. Also, you know, Nicholas Petit Frere came on, sure, but Dylan Raidens didn't do anything really to to keep what was uh, you know sort of a penciled in starters job. So uh, I think when you see two guys really at the top of their game, um, as we saw with with Kern and Stonehouse, I, I think it makes it a lot easier to sort of accept um, the decision there. Moving moving ahead to to other aspects of the roster here, I, I think uh, I think the the two two other you know, Ryan Stonehouse was an undrafted rookie. There, there's two others in running back Julius Chestnut and and cornerback Trey Swilling, and uh, and both those guys are here for right now. Chestnut was the Titans' leading rusher in the preseason. Denard, we talked about him a little bit a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is a guy who just fits with the Titans run game, right? I mean, he, he, he's exactly the kind of guy they want back there. And, and they're, they're apparently willing to to look for opportunities to get him some carries now this season. Well, you saw that on that drive, you know, when Malik uh, hit that scamper for about 50 yards and put Tennessee in, uh, in the red zone. And then you saw Julian Chestnut, he basically capped it off with a power run. I mean, he showed that physicality, and that's what they're looking for at running back position. Now you have somebody back there along with, you know, King Henry, and you're talking about your fourth-round draft pick this year out of Michigan, Hassan Haskins. So, again, that's – hey, the more you have back there, the better it is for Derrick Henry. It's going to help him because Derrick is getting up in age. You know, you got to look at – he's 28 years old, and, you know, running backs – they seem to they hit that magical age of 29. It's kind of like, OK, they're starting to kind of tell off a little bit. So you need that youth. I mean, also he can add to special teams. That's also why uh, I think he would be a big asset to this team is his ability to play special teams, because that's where uh, he will be utilized uh, probably the first part of this season. And I need to correct myself. I said Trey Swilling. I meant Trey Avery, uh, the the undrafted rookie out of uh, out of Rutgers. Uh, a guy who got 
you know, I noticed him getting a lot of uh, a lot of reps later in camp, uh, particularly the workout against the Cardinals. He was getting a long look. I I, I just kind of assumed it was a a guy that they that they liked, and they were trying to decide maybe practice squad with him. But uh, but but here he is uh, among a group of uh, of draft picks that you know high draft picks that we've talked about in Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton, Roger McCree, Elijah Molden, and they kept him ahead of uh, Chris Jackson, a draft pick from a from a couple of years ago. Uh, John Glennon, what you know what went wrong with Chris Jackson? I guess that that he would he would lose his spot in the to, to I mean it's 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 not a direct competition there, but you can say that that you know that 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 Avery spot maybe is is the roster spot that uh, that Chris Jackson occupied yeah it was a surprise to me I, I would have thought that that Chris Jackson would be the guy simply because of experience and also because Chris Jackson plays a lot of slot and we don't know what the status of Elijah Molden is right now who of course is the the slot guy on the other hand in terms of slot you've got McCreary now who can who can play in there? You've also got Ugo Amadi who who plays slot too. So maybe that makes made Chris Jackson a little bit more expendable. But you know, I think the, the it just boils down to what it always does for a defensive back. I, I just think we saw Chris Jackson uh, get beat uh, too often. You know, whether it was in in practice or uh, whether it was in the um, you know the practices versus the Cardinals and Bucks. There were too many times that that Chris Jackson was was trailing the player that 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 got beat. Um, and, and again, I, I'm not sure that, that Trey Avery really stood out to me, um, you know, during camp, but certainly there was a consistency there. And, and I guess, you know, uh, he was one of those guys. There were, there are a few guys that played se- all 71 defensive snaps in that final preseason game. And, and Trey Avery was one of them. Uh, and perhaps that was uh, an indication right there that they were saying, Hey, given, given this guy every opportunity, uh, to show he can make the team and, uh, Apparently he has done just that. And, and, you know, that that's kind of the way I am too. I, I can't like, if people are going to come to me and say, Hey, well, tell me about Trey Avery. Like, what does he do? Well, what I, I can't say that, that I saw him, that I noticed him enough either to say definitively one way or the other. I'm curious, Denard did, you know, you certainly played the position, you know, did you, uh, did, did you notice him in, in the preseason games at all? Well, I saw that play on Victor Bolden where he, that long pass. Um, unfortunately, he had great coverage on him. I thought Victor Bolden for uh, Arizona, he just adjusted to the ball well, and I thought the quarterback put in in a great spot. Uh, what you want to see is uh, from your defensive backs is are they closing the space? There's not a gap between the receiver and the defensive back. And Avery seems to do a good job in coverage. You know, um, I thought the secondary, especially the young players, they struggled a little bit in the second half. They gave up some explosive plays. You don't want to see that. I thought there were some missed tackles, the one by Adrian Gilbert. Uh, and you saw Andy Isabella scamper right down almost to the goal line, and Arizona was able to punch it in. So the more you can do, the little things that you can do, that usually ends up uh, you uh, having a job in the fall. But again, I mean, for Chris Jackson, I'm a little bit of heartbroken because I'm a big Chris Jackson fan. I've, I've watched him uh, coming out a few years ago. He was a very versatile player. 
uh, when you're talking about his ability to play safety and corner. And it just seemed like last year when they implemented him into the rotation, I mean, he stepped up big in some big moments last year. I can go back to that Buffalo game. He played phenomenal. And that's where my heart is kind of at right now with Chris Jackson getting released. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I tell you what, for this young man, Avery, he's got a, um, a heck of an opportunity, but he's got some big shoes to fill. Yeah. It, sure, it, uh, oh, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to mention, I'm sure uh, Jason McCordy, our, our old friend, uh, Titans DB, might be, might be feeling a little proud at this moment, though, that another Rutgers DB has, uh, has made the run. Yeah. Scarlet Knights yeah. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Greg Ciano's back coaching that team, right? I guess there's something to uh some something to uh to him and, and defensive backs, maybe. But uh but you know, Chris Jackson too has had a hard time staying healthy for extended periods of time. And and he got you know, he got hurt for a little bit early in this training camp too. So I want you wonder how that much how that played into it. And I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the the Cardinals workout. Um, I can I can see I can see the place he had two plays where one he slipped and and gave up what would have been a touchdown in seven on seven red zone work and then another one he got beat and uh, and and the guy got free and ran after the catch down the middle of the field it was uh, that that was a uh, that was a bad day for him and uh, and and certainly I I guess didn't help him while while we're in the backfield and guys getting cut you know. Theo Jackson, this year's uh, one of this year's, the first of this year's two sixth round draft picks, is is out at safety at, at least for right now. And uh, you know that was a guy that was a guy I thought looked really good early in the off season. Maybe looked a little more ordinary during training camp. He's another guy got hurt, which certainly uh, which certainly doesn't help you. And and maybe his injury allowed Josh Kalou to show that he is more than just a special teams guy, which is, which is what he has been. But, uh, but Kalu is on this roster, played a lot with, uh, with starters and, and second team guys in, in recent weeks. And apparently coaches like what we saw there. Uh, John, how, how surprised are you that Theo Jackson is not in, in, among this 53? Uh, a little surprised, you know. You you would think that that um, they give the uh, the draft picks, you know, especially this year's draft picks, the benefit of the doubt. Um, I just don't think that that Theo Jackson, to me, you know, uh, again, really, I didn't really see anything that that stood out for him. I, I saw, you know, maybe uh, it's a it's a recency bias, but in that in the Arizona game, you know, it, it just seemed like there were several completions against Theo Jackson. Um, and, and yeah, it just never, you know, outside of that fumble recovery, uh, which was nice. I didn't, didn't really see him kind of take things to a, to another level at all. And, and it's disappointing also because I think there was the hope that this guy might uh, be able to fill sort of that Dane Crookshank role, you know, kind of that jack of all trades, a little safety, a little slot corner if necessary, maybe cover some tight ends, good special teams guy. I, you know, I think there was that uh consideration so i i I am a little uh surprised there but you know when we look at safety in general you know to me that's still a position that's a little little sketchy uh for the titans right now you know you've got a great pair of starters obviously in in kevin byard and and amani hooker but you know after that you know we've talked about josh kalu there's aj moore both those guys are are really more you know, well known for their special teams than they are for their defense, uh, at least up until this point. 
And then you got Lonnie Johnson, uh, you know, who's played primarily safety since coming to the Titans, but he's just only been here a few weeks. So, you know, it's a, it's a little thin at that safety spot to me. And maybe that's one of those positions where maybe they're still, even though they've already looked at some guys, maybe they still look at the guys who've, who've come out on, on waivers. Yeah. You know, AJ Brown is, or AJ Moore, excuse me, is largely a, a mystery at this point because uh, he, he, they, they were using him a lot early in camp and now he's been hurt for a while. We haven't seen him. Uh, Denard, are you are you comfortable with with Lonnie Johnson and and Josh Kalu? I mean, Kalu's a guy wasn't with any team all off season. Titans signed him right at the start of camp, and uh, and and obviously it was a it was a good camp for him. You know, he'd been here a, a couple of years before and certainly knew uh, certainly knew the defense well. But uh, you you good with those two guys as backups? Well, my opinion doesn't matter. I didn't make the decision to keep. <laughs> No, listen, it, this was a, um, you know, if you're Anthony Midget and Scott Brooks, what you're trying to do is to put a back half um, together that you, what you want to do is you want to make sure that if something unfortunate happened to KB uh, or Amani Hooker, you want to know that the two players that you bring in to back them up, you won't lose a step. And listen, Josh Kalu, Lonnie Johnson, those players must have done something that warranted a response for John Robinson to say, listen, I think these two players or these three or these three players give us the best chance at winning. This is not an easy decision to make, especially when you talk about Chris Jackson, not Chris Jackson, but the player from Nashville that you Theo, were very high Theo, on. Theo David. Jackson. Yeah, Theo Jackson. I'm sorry, out of University of Tennessee. That was a surprise to me because Usually, at least in the past, I know when I played Tennessee, what they would do for their draft picks is that they will keep you at least two years. They'll give you at least a couple years to show uh, what you have. And if and if about that third year, if you're not showing anything or if you're not productive, then you will get released. And I'm just I'm kind of shocked. But again, I mean, I know things are different now, but I, I, I wanted to ask you. What did John Robinson, when you when you look at that secondary, why do you think he went towards youth as far as ex, rather than experience and, and cutting some players like Chris Jackson? Well, it, it's a uh, it's a good question. I, I don't think he went. Uh, I don't think he went so much with youth because you've got you know you've got the youth at cornerback, but you know Johnson's a veteran guy who they brought in here. Kalu is a veteran guy, and then you know we haven't talked about him yet, but they you know they traded for Ugo Amadi. Last week, a, a guy who's a, a proven slot cornerback who can who can play some safety and, and do those sorts of things. I think there's uh, I think there's a there's a little more experience, and it and it's interesting. You assuming Theo Jackson gets claimed off waivers, and that's right. a big assumption. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there right now. He might get through to the practice squad or not, whatnot, but if but if he gets claimed. This is this is turning into offensive line 2.0. You know, they drafted a safety last year late in Brady Breeze who right. got hurt and they ended up cutting him late in the year and Detroit picked him up and uh and you know, Brady Breeze is off in the breeze right now. So this could be two years in a row that they uh that they've missed in the late rounds on a safety and uh, you know, whatever whatever they're looking for at that position, I guess they're just not finding it in the draft right now. Yeah, and, and and again, I, I would certainly think that he would he would clear waivers. And again, it's maybe a case where if you if you bring him back as a practice squad guy, mm-hmm. maybe you develop those skills and yeah. and you see more of the guy that you that you drafted out of UT. Because certainly, 
you know, there, there were some high hopes for him. Yes, he was a late round pick. But again, as I say, there were certainly some comparisons made with, uh, you know, a Dane Crookshank type of player. So would be a uh, would be a nice addition. So maybe maybe it's just a case of, of you know, uh, a year or so of practice squad and and, uh, and he's ready to go at that point. You know, Denard, you make you make a great point, though, like in, in your day, Floyd Reese was uh, w- was very apt to give his draft picks the benefit of the doubt right. and and then some a little bit rustin webster i think was even more so like rustin webster just assumed well if i picked this guy right. he needs to be here and and john robinson is is willing to he's either willing to admit mistakes or he he's he loses patience much more quicker you know there's two other draft picks who are gone now 2019's uh or excuse me 2020 defensive tackle um Lorel murchison and Des Fitzpatrick, wide receiver in the fourth round last year. This is two. This is two years in a row. He gets yeah. he gets cut here. What uh, you know, John? I guess I'll start with you. Is is this the last we're going to see of Des Fitzpatrick with the Titans, or you think they bring him back to the practice squad and keep trying with him? Uh, maybe practice squad, just because you know he has that experience, you know, in the system and so forth, but. I kind of have my doubts also, uh, you know, as you mentioned, this is a guy they, they you know, they traded up for uh, to, to pick him originally in the draft. They, they really liked him a lot. Cut him once last year. You know, he was named one of the most, uh, you know, improved players in the offseason by, by the Titans, too. So there were, the hopes were up again this year for Des Fitzpatrick. And, you know, what the last uh, snapshot we have of him right now is him dropping a touchdown pass uh, from from Logan Woodside in that in that last preseason game. So here's why I, I kind of have my doubts as to whether he has a big future here uh, or or any kind of future is is because of this. I don't know if you guys saw, but but uh, Terry McCormick of Titans Insider uh, reported a little bit ago that that Racy McMath it looks like is going to go on IR tomorrow. Uh, so that is a is a is an even smaller group of wide receivers. You would have to think that the Titans knew that obviously that McMath was going to go on IR. And even knowing that, they still didn't keep Des Fitzpatrick on the 53-man roster, which to me says they're going to be looking elsewhere. You know, whether it's the waiver wire, you know, whether it's uh, signing somebody that's going to be a free agent. To me, if there was any reason to keep Des Fitzpatrick, that would certainly have been it, you know, that that McMath makes you uh, – you know, one body fewer at that position. And still they said, eh, no, no, not going to be on the 53. Denard, we all know these decisions are based on weeks of analysis and discussions and practice and preseason and whatnot. But uh, when you saw Des Fitzpatrick drop that touchdown pass in the fourth quarter the other night, what, you know, what, what did you think in that moment about where this guy is? Well, I didn't think they were going to release him, especially now Now that you know that Racy McMath, who had a great game the other night, I thought he played well. I, I love the way he, he caught the pass from Malik, the little scamper. Malik found him in a, the open field race. And then I love the way that uh, Todd Downing implemented him in the offense, giving him the ball on some of those reverses, and he made plays. He's a playmaker, and he's also a great special teams player. But when you're Dez and they already released you last year and then they brought you back to the practice squad and he showed flashes. I mean, just like you said, he was what one of the most improved players. I was a little shocked, but unfortunately, you just don't know 
in this business, what the general manager and the head coaching are thinking. And if they don't have confidence that you can be that guy that can help this team, uh, they will show you an exit. That's just the way it is. And that's the way it works in the national football league. It, it almost feels like he'd be better served at this point going somewhere else, you know, being on somebody else's practice squad or getting claimed off waivers or what, you know, whatever might be able to happen. It, it, it just doesn't feel like, it's going to happen for him here. And that, you know, that doesn't mean he's a bad guy or a bad player or anything, it, but, but it's just not, it, it's just not working out for him at, at this point. And it's uh, it, it is, it is shocking because they traded up, you know, they didn't trade up two or three spots to get him. They traded up 17 spots to get him. This was a guy they really, really wanted last year in the draft. And, uh, and it, it's, uh, it, it's just, just not working out, I guess, is the uh, is the best way to put it. One guy who is going to is going to get a little more time to to stick around and work on his game. He won't be in the starting lineup. We've talked about Dylan Radens. Uh, you know, I think there was some sense that that he was a guy whose roster spot was in jeopardy, and uh, uh, it, it seemed like they they opted for guys they knew a little bit more on the offensive line and keeping Radence and, and Corey Levin in particular, a, a guy who's in his second stint with the Titans right now. Uh, Jamarco Jones, we've seen virtually nothing of in training camp and in the preseason, but because uh, he's been hurt, but they're, they're sticking with a, with the veteran presence there. Um, do we think though that, that offensive line, I'll start with you, John. Should we be thinking, or they tra- and what they traded for a, a tackle? I can't think of his name. What's the Dennis tackle's Daly. name? Dennis Daly, Daly. Yes, uh, on uh, on Monday, a day before these cuts were made, which I, I guess that says you know they they weren't a hundred percent confident in what they had. Uh, John, have we seen the last of moves on the offensive line, or do we suspect more are coming here from the waiver wire? I wouldn't be surprised if, if there are more coming. Um, you know, I, I think, as you mentioned, Jamarco Jones is, you know, came in as, as maybe a guy who could be versatile, uh, you know, a swing guy, but he has missed so much of, uh, of, of the preseason and training camp. You know, uh, what, what has he been able to, to show anybody at, at this point? And, you know, he was, he was a reserve, you know, in, in previous seasons as well. So I'm not certain that, that he is a, as a lock and, you know, Corey Levin is is a is a nice backup, a guy who can come in at center. But I'm sure there are other guys who can who can do that as well. Maybe you find someone that's that's better on the waiver wire, and and uh, you know he steps in there too. But yeah, uh, you know Dylan Raiden's uh, boy, talk about the the disappointment. You know, I mean everything was set up for him to succeed. You know, the the focus of him at playing just right tackle, uh, you know, throughout the entire offseason instead of getting moved around. You know, you got the bulk of the first team offensive snaps through the offseason and through the early portion of training camp. You know, they were they were telling him, they were asking him, hey, take this, you know, you grab this uh, starting assignment and run with it. And he and he just couldn't do it, you know, especially in in pass protection. You know, he couldn't get it done. So. To me, I, you know, I, I think at the beginning of the offseason, at the beginning of training camp, there were significant questions about an offensive line that, A, was not very good last year, and, and B, probably is not as good as it was last year right now. So I still think, uh, yeah, there, there are some, some changes that we may well see on that offensive line. 
And I think it's important to point out, too, the rules being such as they are. There are guys on the 53-man roster on Tuesday who could go on IR on Wednesday and create some openings again. If they got put on the IR before that, then they're out for the season. When they when they make this roster and then you put them on IR, then they have to they have to miss a minimum of 4 weeks, but you can bring them back at some point. So, uh, you know, there 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 will be some uh, I assume, you know, a, like a guy like Danico Autry, DeMarco Jones could be another one there that uh, that these guys you know, yes, they're there, but they're not really there. And, and that that's going to create some waiver wire opportunities and, and whatnot. Uh, Denard, as, as you look at this, like what, what are the, what are the chances you think of finding a, a a quality wide receiver or a quality tackle or or somebody like that on the waiver wire at this point? Are, Are there, are there really good players out there or they're just good to okay players out there right now? Well, you better find something good. I mean, considering <laughs> what you're having to deal with. I mean, when you're talking about receiving receiving core in the offensive line, I know Traylon is coming along. He had a good game the other night, but are you sure you can go into the game September 11th with Robert Woods and Traylon Burks? And who's going to be your slot receiver? Kyle Phillips. Kyle Phillips. So you're going with the rookie. You're going with two rookies and a 10-year veteran that whose first time in the system. Are you 100% sure, John, uh, you and David, are you sure that uh, that receiving core can match up against uh, the Giants' defend, defensive backs? And who would you give the advantage right now if you're going into that game September 11th as far as the edges uh, for the Giants and the Titans? Well, I don't. I don't think you're giving the. Uh, I don't think you're giving the Titans' receiving group an edge against pretty much anybody. I mean, you got to include Nick Westbrook Akina in there, who's. Well, uh, you, you know who, who's had who's come along nicely. He's earned a lot of rave reviews, but but even the best version of Nick Westbrook Akina imaginable is not going to strike fear so into who, opposing secondaries. Who's your number one receiver that game? You don't have AJ Brown no more. So who is your number one receiver going into the Giants game? Westbrook Akina. I I agree. And and it's not because he's the most talented guy, but there are simply, there are no questions that we're asking about Nick Westbrook Aquino right now. He's consistent. He's smart. He's versatile. He knows Tannehill well. He knows the system well. So, you know, from that standpoint, as as David said, he's not going to strike fear into anybody. He's not a particularly fast guy, but he, he knows how to get open. He's got much better hands than, than when he started. So right now, he, he's your number one guy. Now, if you talk about four, five, six weeks into the season, maybe then it's Traylon Burks who's coming on, who's understanding right. things better, you know, who's who's completely healthy. Uh, maybe it's him. Maybe it's, it's Robert Woods, who, of course, is a proven veteran. But there's still questions. Uh, like we said, you know, Burks – uh, the, the injury thing, uh, you know, has, has bothered him. You know, he's, he's still making a transition from one type of offense at Arkansas to a pro, uh, you know, that, that's a big difference for him. And Robert Woods, as, as good as Robert Woods has looked for a guy who had ACL surgery last year, we still have to see what that looks like, I think, in a regular season game. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to, to run around in practices and, and, uh, you know, scrimmages and so forth and, and look good in terms of bouncing back from an ACL. But let's see how well he can get, you know, separation um, in, in a real regular season game. I think that's going to be a real test, you know, as, as it would be for anybody coming uh, back in that first year 
after ACL surgery. That, that, that brings up a really good question. Denard, tell us, like, how do, if you're, if you're healthy, if your knees are healthy and, and 100%, how do your knees feel on a Monday after a game and, and how, you know, how challenging is that going to be for Robert Woods? Like, like, what do you suspect he's going to be feeling on September 12th after getting tackled and blocked, you know, knocked around and, and some of, some of what's going to happen to him in that game that has not happened to him to this point. Well, your knee is going to feel like the rest of your body is going <laughs> to feel like garbage. <laughs> that's why the training rooms are so full. And that's what I'm concerned about is the fact that we haven't seen Robert. And I know we're going to see him this preseason. I know Robert is a very talented receiver. He's been in the league uh, for over for 10 years now. There's a reason why he's had longevity. He's a productive receiver. But what I'm afraid of is when you go into the – we're talking about the game against the Giants September the 11th. You're talking about two rookies that are going to be – in going to be inserted in your starting lineup. You have a first year player in Robin Woods in a new system and your most really your most reliable receiver be Nick Westbrook. I out of those four, who is the one receiver that, that I'm asking you and John both who can top the defense? Because if you can't top the defense, guess what? That defensive coordinator for the Giants is saying, listen, we're going to play you just like we put the Cincinnati played you. We're going to play tight coverage and we're going to say, Hey, what can you do over the top? And then I bring a safety in the box, just like Cincinnati, because you you have to, John and David, this is a copycat league. Right now, the Giants defensive coordinator is watching that film from last year's playoff game and said, you know what he's saying? That what we're going to do, we're going to make them beat us by running the football. And that's what you want. I'm mean, Excuse me. What we're going to do is we're going to say, listen, we're going to stack the box. We're going to put our corners tight, aggressive coverage. And we're going to say, listen, Cal Phillips, Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akine, excuse me, you beat us. We're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us. That's the way that this game is going to be played September the 11th. So out of those four players, which one is the best version of A.J.? Who can you tell me out of those four, who is your best version of A.J. Brown going into that game September you don't, 11th? You don't have him. You don't you have him. I, 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 I mean, don't that's... Think- if don't you don't have he... Racy McMath, that's where you're going to miss McMath. There you go. Like he doesn't. He doesn't have the whole route tree, but they, you know, you saw it in practices. They were running that guy down the field to take advantage of his speed and try and open up the defense. They they don't have that otherwise. Yeah, I, what's interesting, I I think Traylon Burks, although he is not like a speed merchant either, but I think you know he did show at Arkansas he had the ability to get behind defensive backs because he's so big and so physical. He had, he did a good job of stacking guys behind him, making contested catches. So he is somewhat of a, of a deep threat, you know, and I think as he learns the offense, as he gets more comfortable, he will at least be able to provide the occasional deep ball, sort of like AJ Brown did, you know, he he wasn't a, a speed burner himself, but still was, was somewhat of a deep threat, but you're right. Uh, you know, right now, uh, defenses aren't aren't scared of anybody. Uh, defenses don't think uh, any of those receivers are going to be getting behind them on a regular basis. So Derrick Henry is uh, is going to have to get ready for a whole lot of company in the early weeks of the season. So, so John, what you're saying, we might need to anticipate a game like Arizona, the first game, <laughs> the season, like, like hopes up too high. Is that what you're well, well it's, uh, the good news is it's the Giants. Uh, um, and it's also, it's the Giants with a new head coach too. Yeah. So you would think, uh, you know, game one of a new head coach maybe is a little shaky uh, yeah. times. And, and certainly the Giants personnel isn't uh uh, you know, considered the best in the world either. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think 
uh, as, as good as, uh, you know, when we look at the Titans and, and we look at that defense and, and as impressive uh, as, as it looks and, uh, you know, uh, that same token, you, you look over at that offensive side. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of questions that, that have to be answered on the offensive I, side. I can't, I can't remember this many questions on offense, at least under, uh, at least under John Robinson and Mike Vrabel at this point that, you know, that, that we're, we're, we just, we just don't know. And, and I think the whole thing is if we knew Derrick Henry was going to be Derrick Henry of 2019 and 2020, then, then, you know, everything would be okay, but that is still the, uh, that is still the big mystery. That's sort of, you know, I, I for one am, you're going to have to show it to me before I'm going to believe it. Uh, I'm willing to believe Derrick Henry can be that guy, but I need to, I need to see it, but uh, that that's it. We're going to need to wrap this up for tonight. Uh, thank you as always, everyone for listening uh, for John Glennon, for Denard Walker. I am David Beauclair. This is the believe in Titans podcast, and we will, Talk to you again next week with another round of roster moves and, uh, and a closer look at the game with the Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.